This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rushan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Welcome to Season 4 of Inspiring Design with Rushan Senanayaka. This is where the best of the best brands, experts, change makers, and thought leaders come together to share their valuable insights, experience, and knowledge, all centered around the growth sector in advanced manufacturing within Industry 4.0, encompassing various industries, technologies, skills, knowledge, trends, as well as stakeholders, all the while linking it back into education within schools and universities. What's up, listeners? Let's get straight into it. And let me introduce you to today's amazing guest, Claire Blaine. Claire has worked with Life Sciences Queensland, LSQ, since its inception in 2011, and now represents the organization's members in her role as the Chief Executive Officer. Previously Chief Operating Officer and Operations Manager at LSQ, Claire is passionate about highlighting the integral role life science innovation plays in Queensland's diverse economy. Prior to joining LSQ, Claire was the marketing manager at Queensland Clinical Trials Network, where she played a key role in positioning organizations as the primary point of contact for pre-clinical and clinical research within Australia. As a result, she successfully identified and connected a range of sponsors with members, including research institutions, hospitals, clinical research, organizations, and other life science service providers. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. Claire, welcome to Inspiring Design. Can we start off with a little bit of background on yourself? What's your story, your history? Yeah, not a problem. Thanks for having me. So, um, as you said, I'm Claire Blaine. I'm the CEO of Life Sciences Queensland, which is an industry association representing all of life sciences, um, so including industrial biotechnology, human healthcare, marine biotechnology, and essentially it's nurturing Queensland's potential to feed, fuel and heal the citizens of Queensland and the rest of the world. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm a CEO, I'm a wife, I'm a mother of two small kids. Uh, my eldest son, Jack, is seven and Grace is uh, five, yep. both in school this year. So we're happy about one drop off, which is fantastic. Yeah, very busy life indeed. <laughs> very busy life. Yeah. yeah. So my background um, at university, I did a um, Bachelor of Marketing and Public Relations at wow. Queen, Queensland University of Technology at Gardens Point. Yep. Um, after graduating, I went into my first job with Master Builders Queensland, of all industry associations, yeah, right. so helped with their events and marketing, gained that experience, saw a job opportunity with Queensland Clinical Trials Network, and so I moved over to that position, and I've been here ever since. So in 2011, uh, QCTN, or Queensland Clinical Trials Network, actually became Life Sciences Queensland because we saw a need to move out of just human healthcare 
and capitalise on the regional opportunities um, Queensland has to offer in terms of industrial biotechnology, ag biotechnology, etc. Yeah, wow. So that's a bit of a uh, career shift change going from marketing into the sciences. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It was very interesting. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) So, and it's a steep learning curve. And as I said, um, life sciences represents everything um, across feeding, healing, and fueling the world. So, very diverse. Um, But with my marketing background, my role is really to just promote and showcase the industry capabilities here in Queensland to um, the rest of the world. Awesome. Well, that's very cool. And one of the things i got to be honest with you is that I am going to come with a blank canvas when it comes to knowing what I think is life science. So one of the questions that I wanted to ask you was, especially from the listener's point of view as well, what exactly is life science and what is biotechnology? Yeah, so I guess the simplest thing to explain it is our motto which is feeding fueling and healing so it could be um, vaccine development Um, for instance our members UQ were working on the COVID vaccine as you might have known that research is still going behind the background it Mm -hmm. hasn't completely stopped Uh, there's fueling so looking at industrial biofuels there's a um, QT um, biocommodities pilot plant up in Mackay mm-hmm. where they use um, sugarcane waste and convert that into biofuels and other higher value products, um, etc. So degradable plastic bottles and such. Yeah. So um, biofuels, is that a form of, is that a fancy word for food? No, or? biofuels, so that's actually um, biodiesel, so going gotcha. into airplanes and... Oh, right, I see. Yeah. Wow, so it's a more of a sustainable option alongside like electric uh, vehicles and so on. So that's pretty Correct. cool. Yeah, it is cool. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. And what does this look like compared to, let's say, obviously we're in the 21st century at the moment, but compared to what life science was, say, 20 years ago, how does that change from the 21st century? Yeah, well, we're keeping up with the new technologies available, but Australia's really had a long and successful history in life sciences. Mm -hmm. Um, We've developed um, the cochlear implant, um, the CPAP machine for sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've also developed Wi-Fi technology. A lot of people don't know that that's actually an Australian invention. I see, wow. CSIRO. Yep. Yep, and so therefore Google Maps, etc. Mm-hmm. And then more recently in Queensland, you might be aware of the cervical cancer vaccine called Gardasil. Mm-hmm. So that was um, run out of um, by Dr. Professor Ian Fraser. Yeah, wow. So we've got so many inventions. More recently, we've got um, a loom who you might have seen in the news recently was funded by the US government mm-hmm. to the tune of $230 million. I believe, for their um, at-home COVID diagnostic tests. Mm -hmm. We also have the likes of Lawina Bio, which is a contract manufacturing firm based here in Brisbane. Mm -hmm. Um, So they work across the pharmaceuticals, biotechnology and um, veterinary industries. Mm -hmm. And they have experienced significant growth as well. About five years ago, I think it was, um, they had 12 staff. Now they have over 100 yeah, right. Um, and another one is Vaxis, which um, have created the nano patch, so mm-hmm. essentially a needleless um, vaccine delivery device. So wow. there's some incredible inventions happening, and yeah. um, there's sure, surely more to come. I can just feel it. Yeah, and I actually found this um, very interesting TED Talk by Bill Gates. I think he did that in 2014 
on how um, the future problems of the world in the next hundred years is actually going to be more focused in the bio and the life science industries and the problems we're going to see aren't necessarily going to be tangible they're going to be microscopic and he he made he raised some really good um, I think things to think about food for thought and most of that focus is I feel like is in life sciences and biotechnologies and I think because of the COVID environment we've got to we've got a bit of understanding on how this falls within mass production everyone in the world needs a vaccine all of a sudden so but in your point of view how does how does this um, sector classify as an advanced manufacturing uh, industry point of view yes so well further to that TED talk as well we've got a um, increasingly growing population Um, we're going to need to feed that population yeah so utilizing new technologies in um, synthetic biology um, everyone's heard of the um, plant-based um, burger, for mm-hmm. instance. So different technologies like that. Um, there's a raft of innovations happening in that space as well, because especially within Asia, so our close proximity to Asia gives Queensland a really great advantage. Mm-hmm. We're eight hours from two-thirds of the world's population. Yeah. Um, and they're... Um, lower and middle class are actually rising up and um, becoming wealthier, so want access to higher value products, um, especially food. So feeding those um, that population into the future is going to be a massive challenge as well. I'm a bit of a KFC fan, and I got to say, I recently <laughs> found out um, they were printing they were printing chicken, and oh so goodness. it was a it was a plant based alternative, and um, haven't seen too much about it, and I think it's not in Australia yet. But um, it's interesting how the world's shifting into that that era. So I think there's some really interesting work happening now. When you're obviously you came from a very different background, and now you're heading up um, life sciences Queensland. So when it comes to the skills and attributes that this sector needs, especially let's say if a student's really passionate about wanting to be in life sciences and 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 enjoys biotechnology. What kind of skills and attributes do they need to develop and um, and focus on, let's say, right now for entering in the next five to ten years? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, they really need that appetite to want to heal, feed and fuel the yep. world. I think that's really important. Um, they need that passion and dedication because things, drug development, for instance, doesn't just happen overnight. It's mm-hmm. a very long process, so you need that stamina and eagerness to keep going. Um, but across life sciences, there's so many various skills uh, required. Uh, and if we just look at one of my member companies, Lawina Bio, and their advanced manufacturing facility, you could almost break their organisation into three different categories. Mm-hmm. So the first is around the quality organisation. Um, and there's different roles there in terms of regulatory affairs, um, meeting all the FDA, um, that's the Federal Drug Administration for the US, mm-hmm. all the Therapeutic Goods Association here in um, Australia, meeting their requirements. Um, there's also quality control, so looking at the raw materials and testing that, making sure it's up to scratch. Mm-hmm. Next, there's also the operations side of the business. So that's more on the manufacturing side, which includes fermentation, the scale-up production, process development, 
supply chain, as well as engineering and facilities management. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, you have the support services. So it also has um, roles such as HR, finance, business management. Mm. So the skill set is enormous and there's so many. (laughs) It covers everything. And that's just one um, organisation we're talking about. Mm. And the skills in the future are needing, um, going to need to change as well to meet the new technologies. Um, and some technologies we don't even know um, about yet. Mm. So it'll be really interesting. And I know there's a Queensland Government Task Force to actually look at addressing the um, current and future skills gap. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll also probably need to do some more um, vocational um, training programs as well to mm-hmm. address that gap. Uh, but if it's of interest to your listeners, LSQ actually has a webinar series um, in Korea. Um, so you can actually learn about um, the career pathways, how to get there. Uh, we actually did one on advanced manufacturing a while ago as well. So awesome. I can provide a link to your listeners as well. That Definitely. We'll be able to access that in the show notes for sure. So make sure you guys check that out right after the episode. And how do you think STEAM skills, so so science, technologies, engineering, arts, and mathematics, I feel like you kind of already explained it, but I feel like STEAM is in the center of all of those different factors. Absolutely. And I think the other important thing um, people should think about is not thinking of engineering as a silo, maths as a silo. You really need to get across and meet your peers in those other um, sectors Mm -hmm. to try and collaborate and work together. And it's not just um, researchers working with researchers, it's universities partnering with industry, partnering with government. So it's a collaborative effort in a lot of um, the life sciences as well. Yeah, awesome. And uh, while you're talking, one of the things that went through my mind was um, a very passionate subject for myself, which, which is design thinking. And those elements of uh, collaboration, um, empathy, and experimentation, I feel like are in the core of almost all of those things that you said. So it's really good to hear that from obviously a, a life science expert because I think for, from a student's point of view, if they're thinking about that kind of um, career path, they can then prepare themselves unlike, let's say, 30 years ago when um, the lack of information wasn't as um, available to us. So. We've talked about the different types of um, skills involved in this uh, sector, Mm -hmm. but what about the technologies? Now, you mentioned obviously that there are going to be technologies we don't even know of, and that's just the reality right now when it comes to tech. So what are some technologies that are used within life sciences at the moment? So, for instance, there's robotics. So instead of having farmers go out and um, pick and potentially squash let's say a tomato, there's a robot that can be set up and go along each of the vines and be able to um, pick it Mm -hmm. uh, without damaging the fruit. Um, There's automation and drone technologies that are being used. Um, Yeah, VR, AI, Internet of Things, it's there's so many different technologies, um, but I see a lot of work in the robotics space, and there's actually a robotics arm hub um, that has just opened in Brisbane as well. So yeah. I'll be haven't gone there yet, but um, in the next couple of weeks we're actually going to check it out. Awesome, and I think that's the really cool, exciting part because 
the the norm of what we used to think those industries were like it's actually now quite different you you need to actually be tech savvier to a certain extent to be even just operate things and be familiar with those things. So I'm loving everything that you're putting down right now. <laughs> yeah, and for instance, another um, group in here in Brisbane is the Hurston Biofabrication uh, Institute. So that's all about the hospital of the future. Mm-hmm. So having a 3D printer machine next to the operating theater so you can print um, a new hip replacement wow. and things like this. That's and that powerful. actually, it is, it's really exciting. but. Going back to the collaboration effort as well, they, for instance, get um, video gamers to come in and work with them um, to help create um, the virtual reality um, sensory for doctors. So, um, say, for instance, someone's gone out spearfishing and they accidentally shoot themselves with a spear. (laughs) You can kind of, in real time, um, a doctor in a remote hospital... Um, speaking with someone in an expert in Brisbane per se, mm-hmm. and through virtual reality, they can actually help them do the operation and wow. remove that spear without missing vital organs and such. That's great. So that's another instance of the collaboration. Who would have thought gamers <laughs> would be in the hospital room? Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's very valuable insight because these the collaboration essentially means that there there are underlying transferable skills that work within. A wide array of what we used to think were siloed industries so this mm-hmm. is great now the when we're talking about skills and attributes the next question that I always want to take this conversation to is do you think the current education system whether secondary or tertiary is aligned with the requirements for the next 5 10 20 30 50 years I'd say not as much as it should be, but if we look back over the past 10 years, I definitely see a significant improvement in yep. STEM and the support, especially of women coming into um, predominantly male-dominated mm-hmm. industries, such as manufacturing. Um, there's a predisposition that um, it's a dirty industry, but it's <laughs> actually not. And yep. I encourage students to try and reach out to industry and see if they can get a site tour of these um, manufacturing facilities because the codes they have to actually go through, it's extremely clean Mm. to the point um, Pathion to do a full site tour of there. You actually can't even wear makeup. You're fully gowned, so it's actually quite clean. Um, But we could do more, and I think that partnership between schools and industry is really important. So programs like the Gateway to Industry Schools program, Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's a really great program, and they actually have 10 different sectors, and advanced manufacturing is one of them. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually one of our partners that we work really closely with for all the regions in Queensland. So fantastic! massive changes you can see with the schools coming on board and the kids actually being able to see hands-on. So you're 100% right there. Now, um, one of the factors, the biggest... I think focus and quite underrated in my opinion is where the educator, the teacher is actually placed in this entire game and they've been put, in, put under an immense lot of pressure um, with so many responsibilities, the um, almost an assumed um, element that they need to keep up with this fast growing technologies within a very short period of time on top of all these other administrative tasks as well as teaching. So. Mm-hmm. What's your advice for teachers in schools, especially looking at this 
the technology evolution, the way the industry is changing, and where obviously education is in the middle of the shift. What's your advice for them? Perhaps look at um, different industry bodies or even um, industry itself and see how we might be able to partner and create some new STEM programs within the schools. As I said, the STEM uh, pathway has come a long way in the past even five years, mm. uh, but I think there's still room to go. But it's working with the industry to figure out what it is they need um, and do it in conjunction with them. Um, yeah. But there is, as I said, a Queensland Government Task Force on that skills. So I'm hoping there'll be some advice coming out of that for teachers and um, the vocational sector as well. Yeah, awesome. And are there any uh, links or resources that you could point to for teachers to be able to go and read more about life sciences? Yeah, absolutely. There's the uh, Life Sciences Queensland website, which is just all the w's, lsq.com.au. Uh, they can also, I encourage them to go and look at the Gateway Indus, uh, to Industry Schools uh, program um, and that website I think you'd have on your links Yeah, well. that'll be, it's, we actually spoke with Jules McMurtry who um, runs that program for Advanced Manufacturing. Yes. I believe that was episode two, so shout out to her. Go and check out the links on um, the show notes for episode two as well. So, awesome. Any other resources you can mention? Uh, Queensland Government, as always, has a wealth of um, information. The Chief Scientist Office just uh, launched their visualisation tool, which actually maps out all of the various uh, research institutes and their capabilities. So you can go and find different research institutes and look up them for more information as well. So if you just Google visualisation tool, Department of Environment and Science, um, it should come up for you. Perfect. And obviously the most important factor that we're all working towards is our human future capital and our students and graduates, you know, they might, they might, the future innovator of one of the revolutionary things in life sciences might still be in grade four right now. And what's your advice for students and graduates right now? Uh, get out there and learn about the industry and the potential. Um, reading is so important. I encourage my kids all the time to read. And there's so many um, various books from primary school right through that they can access. Um, and then network. Every chance you get, especially the older um, levels, I really encourage networking. Um, but as you get even older as well, LinkedIn is a valuable uh, tool to meet industry. But just don't blindly reach out to people either. Have a clear purpose. And remember, it's a two-way um, two-way relationship. What what do they get out of um, being a connection of yours? Um, but yeah, I encourage them all to investigate careers in STEM. It's exciting. It's going to be fast-paced and ever-changing. And yeah, companies are just growing, so they're going to need lots more. Um, staff and we want to employ Queenslanders we don't want to keep importing from overseas absolutely and I think that's valuable advice so lastly how can if anyone wants to learn more about this from you how can they get in touch with you yeah my contact details are on the LSQ website um, I have an open door policy my doors always open and I'm here to help if I can't help uh, you directly I'll certainly find out who can and put you um, in touch awesome there you go guys so 
Claire, it's been a pleasure and I've learned a lot personally myself because I didn't know too much about this industry. So thank you so much for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. It was fun. That's it for today's episode. Now it's time to take action and build on the learnings to get inspired. First up, jump on to rashansenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes, links and other relevant learning materials from this amazing episode. Next, if you learned something new today, click that subscribe button and set yourself up to receive live notifications on future episodes, as well as more opportunities to learn from our amazing guests, brands and speakers. Last but not least, it's time to have your say. Join the conversation and share your thoughts and feedback on today's episode with a review, all while joining many others with a five-star rating for Inspiring Design with Rashan Senanayaka. Till next time.